Hello, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to documenting what goes on down under. I'm your host, Jack, and thank you so insanely much for tuning back in. It looks like we've accidentally started an Australian theme this month, so I'm gonna pretend it was on purpose and keep it up for the rest of the month, since it goes so well with the charity thing. If you're a new listener and don't know what I'm talking about, 100% of my Patreon proceeds for the month will be going to the Australian bushfires and bat preservation. So if you're interested, check out Phonication Podcast on Patreon. Now then, if we're gonna get Australian, there's probably nothing more Australian than a kangaroo. So let's hop into how the ruse do the do. (laughs) Jesus Christ, it is amazing. I have a single listener with all of these genuinely shitty jokes. I apologize for my existence. (laughs) All right then, kangaroos. Kangaroos are a marsupial from the family Macropodidae, which means large foot. Macro, large, pod, foot. And speaking of their foot, I'll upload a picture of their feet to Phonication's Instagram, not in like a foot fetish kind of way, but they have really off-putting feet, and I want to share that with you. So there are four species referred to as kangaroos. The red, the eastern gray, the western gray, and the antilopine. And if I'm being honest, those are some boring names. They were done a disservice. It's just colors. Even the antilopine, like, it doesn't sound like a color, but it means antelope colored. (laughs) The terms kangaroo, wallaby, and wallaroos all refer to a paraphyletic group of species, which it just means that they're closely related and they all belong to the same family. The terms delineate the species according to size. So kangaroos are the largest, wallaroos are intermediate, and the wallaby is the smallest. Something that I had heard before and actually believed up until I started researching for this episode was that the reason kangaroos are called kangaroo is because when the Brits sailed down to Australia, they asked the locals what the name for the animal was. And the locals replied, kangaroo, which is their phrase for, I don't understand you, which is hilarious. (laughs) Unfortunately, the truth is that they replied, kangaroo, which is absolutely their name for the animal. And then kangaroo was accidentally written down with a K instead of a G as the first letter. And then you have kangaroo, which is less exciting, I know. But if you want to read about a case of that actually happening, it's a prevailing theory regarding the Yucatan Peninsula. And obviously, prevailing theory means I'm going to accept it as gospel truth. (laughs) Kangaroos have adapted really well to humans in Australia, considering all the habitat and agriculture changes which is what makes the movie Kangaroo Jack so plausible. Significantly better than the smaller wallabies and wallaroos, which unfortunately have endangered species. Kangaroos are basically the white-tailed deer of Australia. They're freaking everywhere. There's 34 million of them. Human populations have overlapped quite a lot with kangaroo populations, which is why you can find about 6 million videos of Australians like boxing kangaroos. I saw one video of a kangaroo just banging on some dude's sliding door and then just flexing at him. I would genuinely shit myself. And by the way, do not box a fucking kangaroo. Besides being incredibly unethical, you will likely lose that fight. Like, first of all, they are ripped. Second, they generally don't box. They like to lean back on their tails and then use that stability to kick their legs towards the opponent and then fucking disembowel them. And what are you going to do when your intestines are hanging out of you like a fanny pack? Die, probably. You know what else they like to do if they're not in the mood to disembowel you? They use their forepaws to hold their victims underwater and drown them. 
the way a human would. And to me, that doesn't feel like typical animal fighting, you know? That's not attacking, that is murdering. And they don't kill to eat, they're herbivores. They kill because they're killers. Cool note about them being herbivores though. They have a similar diet to animals like cows who infamously release a shit ton of methane that's bad for the environment, right? Kangaroos release practically no methane, not through exhaling, burping, farting, whatever. The internal fermentation creates a hydrogen byproduct, which their bodies can convert into acetate. The acetate can be used to provide energy, which is basically turning food waste back into food. And it's awesome. Some scientists are actually looking into transferring the bacteria that does that in kangaroos into cattle so that we can get rid of all the methane produced by cow farts. God, I would love to have a pet cow, especially an eco-friendly pet cow. But I'm sorry, we're here to talk about kangaroos, which I would also love a pet kangaroo, despite being murderers. Oh, I forgot to mention, did you guys know that kangaroos are the only large mammal that can hop? And red kangaroos are the fastest hopping mammal. They can reach 43 miles an hour, which is significantly faster than me. I guess if we're talking about Australia, I should translate into metric. They can hop up to 70 kilometers an hour. You're welcome. Let's talk about love. The way that breeding starts. <laughs> that was a shit segue. I'm sorry. The way that breeding starts is that a female in heat will start signaling, showing off around the males, making herself very visible and available, generally being flirtatious by peeing everywhere. Cash, as you do. Interested males sniff her urine, checking for chemical cues that she's ready, and then they make the move. For red kangaroos, the move is butt grabbing. As she's nonchalantly hopping around, an interested male follows her around, grasping her tail as she hops away, generally high near the butt, which is super creepy for humans, but kangaroo chicks dig it. For gray kangaroos, the move is standing in front of the female at full height, displaying a boner. And if that somehow doesn't do it for the fair lady, he'll grab her head, hold it against his chest, and basically motorboat her. <laughs> that is a fucking power move. I don't know what I would do if some rando just motorboated me. <laughs> Anyways, if the lady likes the display, the pair will get busy, usually lasts about 15 minutes, and if she doesn't, it's not uncommon for her to react aggressively, which... I commend acting aggressively to a stranger showing you his boner or grabbing your butt. Like, that's understandable. But it's obviously not all that uncommon for multiple males to be interested in the same female. Happens. And as with so many animals, that results in violent fights between the males. And I am so glad that fell out of fashion for humans. Alright, so let's discuss kangaroo anatomy. Because I refuse to accept that what I'm going to tell you is real. I have seen pictures, and I am confident they've all been photoshopped. Right off the bat, male kangaroo genitals are upside down. The testicles are on top of the penis, not below. And apparently, they are very mobile. <laughs> they can move them around for protection during a fight. <laughs> like, just get a cup. Stop showing off. To any fellas listening right now, if you're not out in public, take your ball sack, wrap it around your shaft so the testicles are on top, and bam! Kangaroo penis. <laughs> I had to ask my boyfriend if that was even physically possible, and boy, he gave me a look. <laughs> but then he patiently answered my bizarre line of questioning. He is such a trooper. Oh, guess what? I actually lied to you. 
If you did that, you actually still wouldn't have a kangaroo penis because it gets worse. Because of course it does. We're at the beginning here, guys. You know that can't be it. Male kangaroos have a two-pronged penis and it looks super gross. It looks like two red clawed fingers sticking out from behind the scrotum. And considering my hobby, I can't believe this is my freaking hobby, but considering my hobby, I don't get grossed out by a lot. But dude, I'm grossed out. So cue natural Google search. It doesn't look like they have the same dexterity as fingers. No prehensility there. Unlike dolphins, but that is for another episode for another day. And just to add on some more weird shit, during periods where resources are scarce, like for example, drought, the male has the ability to just shut down sperm production so that he can conserve the energy that he normally uses to make it. But wait, wait a minute. Did you think that's what the episode was about? A weird dick? No, because that weird dick has to fill a weird purpose. And that weird purpose is a weird vagina. <laughs> From the outside, kangaroo vaginas look very normal. They're only weird on the inside. Who can relate? The female has two uteruses and three vaginas. And I found out that is the standard for marsupials. Like, who decided that? I'm gonna do my best to describe what her genitals look like. I'll obviously upload a picture to Instagram, but let me go ahead and torture myself with this description. So, here we go. From the external vaginal opening, the vagina has one canal going upwards. It's fairly vagina-like. Then it breaks off into three canals and goes up, kind of like a trident. But then at the top of the trident, it circles back inward and closes up. So it eventually looks like a circle with a line going through the middle of the circle, standing on a stick. And then on top of the circle, there's two little peanuts. They look like the ugliest bow. And those peanuts are the two uteruses. <laughs> Did that visual do it at all for you guys? Like even a little bit? I'm sure I made everything more confusing. I am so sorry, but I'm gonna continue on with the episode like that was perfectly understandable. <laughs> So the outside vaginas, the left and right vaginas, are for sperm. Penis goes in, sperm goes up, you get it. And each of the outside vaginas corresponds to a uterus, which is why the males have a two-pronged penis. One of the few times that nature actually decided to make sense. The middle vagina is the birth canal. And by the way, due to having two uteruses, the female can actually be eternally pregnant if the two uteruses are in different stages. Oh, and let's throw another weird spin on some already weird shit. Just as males can shut off the sperm production, females can do something similar. During periods of scant resources, she can basically just press pause. <laughs> she can just stop development on any joeys growing inside a uterus until she feels like it's ready. If her pouch already has a joey in it and the other baby is coming too quickly, she can just pause it until that real estate frees up. It's called embryonic diapause, and I secretly don't believe that it's real. So, when the joey is birthed, it's minuscule, literally the size of a jelly bean. It's possible that they're so small because the urinary tract runs through the birth canal, so a larger joey might not be able to fit. But when the fateful day comes, the female basically sits down with her legs in front of her and starts licking her vagina. And... Real quick, why are so many animals capable of licking their genitals, but not humans? Anyways, she possibly does it to stimulate birth. And then when the birth happens, 
The Joey is born, I'm going to be honest, super ugly. It's furless, it's blind, it's barely got legs, they haven't finished growing yet. These babies are born with practically no development. For example, even though humans are born underdeveloped compared to many animals, at birth, able to walk and shit, at least human babies still vaguely resemble humans. And despite being so horrendously underdeveloped, the first few minutes of their life is labor intensive. They have to climb up their mother's fur from the vagina to the pouch. And think about how big a full-grown kangaroo is. They're like six feet tall. And the joey is two centimeters. The whole perilous climb up to her pouch takes about three minutes, which is already way too long to work out. But that thing was just born. It's never even moved before. Zero muscles. He does not even lift, bro. And the mom does absolutely nothing to help. Trial by fire. Sink or swim at birth. I mean... <laughs> I guess the mother can be pretty reckless with her children because she can make a new one in like 30 days if one isn't up to par. It's a pretty brutal way to handle motherhood. Eventually, the Joey makes it up to the mother's pouch and it affixes itself to one of the nipples inside and does not let go, which after that journey, I get it. But it is attached so firmly to that nipple that early European explorers actually thought that Joey's grew off of the mother's nipples like an apple or something. Wild. Then the mothering finally begins. She can produce two different types of milk at will. Milk for an embryonic jelly bean joey, or milk for a joey who can leave and enter the pouch as they please. And a joey doesn't reach that stage for a good while, because there is still a lot of development that really should have happened in the uterus. It stays tucked inside the mother's pouch for a little over six months. Then it finally gets the courage to take a look at the outside world, popping its head out to take in the view. Once it hits that stage, it'll get the confidence to take steps on solid ground a couple weeks later. It'll hop along by its mom, going back to the pouch periodically to get milk. Then, around a year and a half to two years, the joey is no longer a joey. It grows up into a joe. It reaches sexual maturity and the cycle starts all over again. Beautiful. I want to say circle of life, but that's Africa. So I think Australia needs a different phrase. The, the loop of life? The life loop? <laughs> that's dumb. I'll end the episode here. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. If you like listening, please leave a review on iTunes. It actually does help a lot. If you really like listening, consider becoming a patron on Phonication's Patreon slash Phonication Podcast. And just to remind you, all Patreon proceeds for the month will be going to the Australian bushfires and bat preservation. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Twitter for all sorts of stuff. And definitely don't forget to tune in next hump day for your weekly dose of horrifying, disgusting, beautiful nature. Bye!